Garrett, nice, nice to see you. How are you doing? Uh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's, it's our pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, before we get into your book and what takes up a lot of your time, maybe you can just explain to our uh, audience, uh, listeners, viewers, what it is you do, what keeps you busy. So I'm a journalist and historian. Um, I live in Burlington, Vermont in the U.S. And uh, my latest book is about the U.S. government's hunt for UFOs and uh, alien life here and out there. I love this topic. I've always loved this topic. It's always fascinated me since I was a child, teenager, into adulthood. Somewhere along the line, though, I got very cynical and skeptical, and I'm not in the camp of believing that UFOs have visited Earth or aliens have, you know, we've got aliens or aliens have visited Earth. I would love it to be true. I'd love to be convinced on that. I'm just not there yet. Where where are you on this before we start? Are you somebody who's kind of all in with the UFO phenomenon and extraterrestrials? Uh, do you take a more skeptical approach? What's your perspective? So to me, uh, I'm I, I'm sort of an, an, a weird person to have written a book like this because I am not someone who uh, is a lifelong ufologist. Uh, a uh, you know, I was not raised on Star Trek or the X-Files. Um, <laughs> I, I come at this subject as someone who has covered national security in the United States for 20 years and has written, uh, you know, for most of my career about counterterrorism and the Cold War and the presidency and cybersecurity and things like that. And what I noticed... Um, really in the last six or seven years was a change in the way that people in Washington talked about UFOs. Um, you know, what now the, the U.S. government at least tries to call UAPs, unidentified anomalous phenomenon. And anomalous, I always said aerial. Seems to, this, this seems uh, to so, change. Yes. So it started out as unidentified aerial phenomenon. And then uh, they renamed it uh, in the last couple of years to unidentified anomalous phenomenon, which um, you know is all an effort to destigmatize and de decrease the giggle factor of <laughs> talking about UFOs, while also making really two important shifts in the perspective of what this topic is meant to cover, which is. Um, a, not all of these things are physical objects. Um, you know, some of them are going to be meteorological, astronomical, atmospheric phenomenon. And then also not all of them are flying. Um, and that one of the things that the Pentagon has gotten very interested in in the last couple of years are USOs, um, unidentified submerged objects or unidentified swimming objects. Um, and so the the UAP umbrella is now meant to encompass sort of things that are not flying and things that are also not things. Um, and so that shift has taken place really, I think, in the United States since 2017, when you saw this blockbuster reporting by the New York Times and Politico, where I used to work, um, talking about both an ongoing uh, Pentagon interest in UFOs that had been heretofore unacknowledged, and then also reporting a series of encounters that Navy pilots, Navy aviators, had had 
with objects that they could not explain that were to them at least ufos and objects that moved in ways that they did not think objects could move and you know appeared to be technologies that in their mind outclassed anything that the united states possessed and in the wake of that reporting you began to see Congress, I think, take a much more serious interest in UFOs and UAPs, uh, and you began to see serious people talking seriously in Washington about UFOs. And that was really, for me, the moment that got me interested in this subject as someone who covers national security. And that there was one very specific moment where John Brennan, who... Uh, had just wrapped up the better part of a decade as the CIA director and the White House Homeland Security Advisor, gave an interview in December 2020 to another G DC journalist named Tyler Cowen, where he said, in essence, in very tortured syntax, uh, there's stuff out there that we don't know what it is, and it puzzles me. And some might say that this phenomenon could constitute a new form of life. And that's a really startling statement for someone like John Brennan to give. Uh, it, it, and struck me because I figure there can't be that many things that puzzle someone like John Brennan. You know, if John Brennan wakes up in the morning with a random question, he has access to all of the U.S. intelligence gathering apparatus and, 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 you know, basically all of the classified information that the U.S. has in its possession. And so for him to leave office after eight years atop the intelligence community and say, man, this UFO stuff is really puzzling, uh, felt to me like something that then was worthy of diving into a lot more. That's that's a really good answer, and I mean, when I when I hear this new found government interest, or that certainly this public admission of you know taking it more seriously, I tend to putting my cynical and skeptical head on. Tend to assume they're very much concerned about perhaps foreign threats, uh, you know, technology things like that. However, is this kind of uh, very public? Uh, announcement of interest and hearings and things like that has this in a in a way kind of give uh, uh, a perceived air of legitimacy to sort of conspiracy theorists and and people who are really kind of fringe uh, advocates for you know ufo sighting extraterrestrials things like that yeah i think part of the challenge is there's not one single answer to what ufos are right that that you know as you said, some chunk of these things are going to end up being advanced adversary technology being tested against us. Um, you know, Chinese drones, Russian drones, Iranian drones. Um, you know, just this week, there was a drone attack, uh, an, an Iranian drone attack on a U.S. base in Jordan um, that, you know, killed three American mm -hmm. servicemen. Um, it, it, you know, there's a lot that we don't understand about those technologies and, and how they work and what their capabilities are. At the same time, you know, some chunk of these things are our own government's secret development projects. Um, you know, a, a huge chunk of what the public thought were UFOs were, in the 1950s, were turned out to be the U-2 spy plane. Um, which was a UFO. It was an unidentified flying object that if you were 
a commercial pilot flying across the Western United States and looked up and saw U-2. It didn't look like any plane that you'd ever seen. It was flying at an altitude that planes were not known to be able to fly at, at speeds planes were not known to fly. So yeah, it was a UFO. More recently, there's been the development of the SR-71, the uh, A-12 Oxcart, the stealth bomber, the stealth fighter. There are presumably all sorts of development projects still underway that we don't know about uh, that, you know, will appear to the public at certain times to be UFOs. So part of the challenge in untangling the conspiracy theories around UFOs is, yes, the government covers up what it knows about public UFO sightings because... Some chunk of them are the government's own programs, and some chunk of it are adversary technology being tested against us that we didn't want to tell our adversaries what we are able to detect and what we're not. You know, the government gets pretty squirrely when it begins to talk about what its sensor and radar capabilities are. Yeah, I mean, sorry, go ahead, please. uh, Now, you know, to me, the much more interesting question in there is what does the government consider ufo sightings um and you know what are the sightings that puzzle the government um and what we have seen since 2017 is that that number is sort of somewhere between two and five percent of you know public ufo sightings that the pentagon itself is unable to resolve as a known technology or known Uh, phenomenon, and that it has uncovered some interesting things as part of that. One of the things that the Pentagon has come out and said is that as part of its more recent UAP studies, it has found a heretofore unknown transmedium Chinese drone, which is to say a Chinese drone that comes out of the water and transitions to flight, which is a technology that we did not understand that China had prior to the military really diving into these new questions around UAPs. That's a good answer. And that, that kind of ties me into my next question, I suppose, in a number of ways. In, you know, one of them being the the government's reluctance to re, you know declassify things because in a way that would potentially reveal their own uh, capabilities and their own advanced technology but i suppose what was exciting for a lot of people not so long ago was the declassified videos that have been put out there of uh, i think one of them's called the tiktok uh, uap one's called the go faster video and what was interesting about these videos for to someone like me is previously ufo sighting videos are kind of fell into a number of categories of either blatant forgeries nothing really going on you know kind of, kind of blinking you'll miss it something or nothing these were you know prolonged physical objects observed and recorded and observed and recorded by sensitive uh, equipment and instruments and eyewitnesses of of a credible nature so i mean for me i mean this doesn't naturally or, you know, then then lead into therefore extraterrestrials or aliens. But we have something. There is something there. And I'm just wondering, when you look at these things, uh, these things seem like a, a completely different level from what we've seen before in terms of UFO evidence. What What's your perception of these videos that have been touted now as absolute proof of uh, UAPs? Yeah, and, and that is, you know, those videos were re- what really helped change this whole conversation in in 2017 and and more recently, 
for all of the reasons that you just cited, that these were uh, encounters by credible witnesses backed up by instruments and recordings. Um, you know, the Pentagon has devoted a lot of resources to trying to figure out what some of these videos turn out to be. Um, and we don't know the extent of that work in terms of how, how much they have been able to detangle what some of these things might turn out to be. But I think it is all part and parcel of this shift where after, I think, decades of the military and government trying to wish away the existence of UAPs, uh, you know, now people are willing to say, yes, there's something here. We don't know what it is. Um, you know, it, and a big part of what my book was trying to do is explain and talk about how, you know, there are mysteries here worth solving, even if the answer isn't UF, uh, isn't extraterrestrials that, you know, in our mind, I think, uh, in the public consciousness, public imagination, UFO equals aliens. Uh, and I think that that is, you know, highly unlikely for a variety of reasons. But that's not to say that the answer to what UFOs will turn out to be is not also world-changing, transformative, and, you know, mind-altering in the way that we think about what the realities of the universe are. Okay, so at this point, I'm just going to remind people in the chat, if you want to get some questions in for Garrett, I'll put them to him. Thank you for Ray J for picking up on the fact I said TikTok instead of TikTok on that video. Yeah, nothing to do with TikTok. Uh, so I suppose then in researching this this subject matter for your book, I mean, this is already um, a topic that's linked to government and national security and secrecy. I mean, how do you go about getting information enough to write something of note uh, obviously I, I can imagine people aren't particularly forthcoming with the most juicy details when it comes to national security yeah but what we have seen are uh, there's a lot that hadn't been put together over the years which was what i was really trying to do um a there's a lot that's been declassified over the last 80 years i mean these programs in the United States date back now to the 1940s. Um, there's a lot that's come out of foreign governments. You know, France actually has a really tremendous UFO study program. Um, we better understand a lot of what transpired during the Cold War uh, now than we used to. Uh, and then a lot of this also doesn't necessarily have to rely only on government sources. Um, you know, a lot of this information involves public sightings and public witnesses and um you know science work by scientists in, in the public realm that have been uh you know at the cutting edge of this um it, you know including j allen hynek who was the uh you know lead government researcher on this subject for a quarter century and then, you know, left government and wrote what is you know, probably the definitive book on UFOs in the 1970s and came up with the whole nomenclature of 
close encounters of the first kind, second kind, and third kind, um, and you know, led to the Steven Spielberg movie that uh, we we all know, in which J. Allen Hynek, uh, astronomer at Northeastern uh, uh, University or Northwestern University, sorry, um, actually played his own bit part in. How I mean, whenever you, whenever we're talking about advanced technology and threats to the Western world or specifically America that you've mentioned, you know, China, Iran, Russia, things like that. Uh, how how much of a concern is it in terms of the power dynamic on the planet if somebody manages to create technology that's so advanced that it can cross borders, create havoc and and kind of return almost undetected? I mean, that, that's, a, that's a kind of a game change of a sort of global dynamics, isn't it? Yeah, it's also one of those things where the the complexities of this internationally and, and geopolitically uh, are also a big part of why I am so skeptical of the most extreme versions of the government conspiracies. The, um, you know, the idea that the U.S. government has had meaningful contact with intelligent civilizations or non-human intelligences, NHIs, as, as people in the world call them. Um, and yet somehow that's only ever been a U.S. phenomenon seems unlikely to me. Um, and uh, that the idea that there is some cross-border conspiracy, you know, where multiple governments are all in on the action uh, you know, it seems even less believable to me. Um, but the, you know, the idea that the only flying saucers that have ever crashed in the world are the ones that fell in the United States, um, just totally coincidentally seems, uh, seems in many ways to me to give the lie to the rest of what, uh, the, the lie of the rest of the uh, underlying conspiracies that you'll see some people talk about. Yeah, I think it's often perpetuating Hollywood, isn't it? It's, it's all, there's always a UFO and, and a White House. Essentially, you never see never see UFO movies set in like Guam or anything. Um, right. So, um, I suppose then you said something earlier, which kind of reminded me of something. You were talking about advanced Chinese technology, I believe, perhaps a drone that was able to submerge itself uh, and you know go, go from air to sea. And I, if I'm not misremembering here, isn't that part of uh eyewitness testimony of one of these uh fighter pilots who got eyes on this kind of uh unidentified uh anomalous object or whatever the new nomenclature is didn't he say that he'd seen something that emerged from the sea and then disappeared yes uh you were right and these are not necessarily unrelated points um you know we uh you know there's reason to believe that uh some of these witnesses who have discussed uh, you know, transmedium uh, flight possibilities, you know, coming out of the ocean and, and turning to flight or going from flight into the ocean, um, you know, may very well be part of some of this cutting edge technology that the Pentagon is beginning to uncover uh, that, uh, you know, China or other adversaries uh, may possess. What did you, what was your perception of the whole kind of national security panic around Chinese balloons uh you know ostensibly the yeah. described as weather balloons in U u.s airspace and, and the response to that yeah so this is you know we talked about you know some chunk of ufos are uh 
our advanced adversary technology. Another chunk of UFOs is just weird stuff floating around up there in the sky that we uh, do not pay attention to on a daily basis. You know, there's a lot of junk and science equipment and trash blowing around up there in the atmosphere that we just ignore. Um, and some of it from time to time presents as UFOs, um, you know, certainly to the public. And it turns out also if NORAD sets its radars a little bit differently, it starts picking up all sorts of balloons that it's not normally paying that much attention to. And, you know, in that moment, what we saw was the government panic and go up and use the world's most advanced fighter jet to shoot down these UFOs with quarter million dollar missiles. And, you know, one of the things we ended up shooting down was a hobbyist weather balloon from the Northern Illinois Balloon Brigade Meteorology Club. <laughs> I didn't um, even know, you know that. <laughs> which, you know, we, they had just put a weather balloon up there. It was floating around. No one was paying any attention to it. They didn't have to ask anyone's permission to do it. And, uh, you know, then, it, you know, we got scared by it and shot it down. So, you know, that again is part of this. UFOs are not going to be one thing. And there are, things that are puzzling to the public and puzzling to the government. And those don't always necessarily overlap. Okay. So King Kong's asked a question. I'm not sure if this is directed at you or me. I'm not even sure if it maps on to anything that we've said actually, but they've asked, how can you believe that throughout this whole universe, we are the only living species? Uh, that's insane. They've put, I mean, I don't, I don't even know if that is your opinion. I mean, do you... Do you... Yeah, I, I actually don't believe that. Um, no, I don't. I, I, one of the things I, I talk about in the book is, you know, the book tries to weave together both the, uh, the military's hunt for UFOs here and the evolving science and astronomy of the search for extraterrestrial intelligence out there um, across the rest of the universe. And to me, actually, one of the biggest revolutions of human knowledge and understanding of the last quarter century is the idea that the math is very much on the side of the aliens. Um, yeah. And that when, you know, as late as the 1990s, we did not understand that there was a single planet outside of our own solar system. And we now believe that more or less every star in the universe has planets and that a huge number of them, not necessarily a huge percentage, but a huge number uh, are potentially habitable that fall into what scientists call the Goldilocks zone, you know, not too hot, not too cold, um, uh, you know, capable of supporting water, capable of supporting an atmosphere, and that the number in, you know, rough orders of magnitude of, um, of habitable planets across the universe is somewhere around one sextillion. That's a billion trillion habitable planets, which is like a really tremendously strong indication that our universe probably actually teems with life and probably teems with intelligent life. 
Um, and, you know, where I remain doubtful is whether any of that life or intelligent life is in a position to be close enough that we will know, that we would have uh, meaningful contact with it, that we would be able to detect it. That um, And, you know, I think part of that challenge is not just the... Uh, not just the vastness of interstellar space, you know, you're not just the the travel constraints that it would take to get from one habited one habited planet to another, um, but the very real possibility that we could be functionally alone right now. That you know, one of the weirdness. Uh, uh, sort of weird thought experiments that that I got into in this is, you know, the James Webb Space Telescope has shown us that there were stars and galaxies that began to form as little as 300 million years after the creation of the universe. We're a really young civilization on a pretty young planet in a pretty old universe. So it's possible that you could have had multi-billion year civilizations rise and fall across the period of the history of the universe and have had those civilizations come and go before our solar system even ever began to gather out of dust. We're about four and a half billion years old in a 14 billion year old universe. So you know, there's somewhere on the order of about 11, 10 or 11 billion years that predate our solar system uh, that, you know, you could have had life rise and, uh, you know, potentially even multiple times uh, rise and fall across the, the universe. That's a great answer. And I, th I think our primate brains really struggle to hold on to, uh, you know, huge amounts of time and, and scale and vastness. The fitting that in your head uh, can be very difficult for most people. I know it is, is for me, for sure. I, mean, I, I often wonder as well in terms of space travel. I, I think it's fascinating and I, I just think it's exciting and I, I'm very desperate to, to find uh life out there i'd settle for like a fossilized microbe somewhere to be honest i don't need to see little green men or anything but where are you on the, the kind of vast amount of money time and effort that's put into the space race uh, not space race rather but space exploration and things like that so it's you know it's it's mostly a private enterprise now of course but a lot of people will say that's an extraordinary amount of money and there's nothing out there what's the point where on earth we've got sort of you know housing crisis yeah you know lack of food people are starving people can't get fresh water things like that is, is there an ethical argument against space exploration uh, not to me in in part because i i actually think quite the opposite which is i don't think we take this particularly seriously at all um you know the the fraction of a fraction of the federal government that goes into space exploration is a rounding error on the totality of the um, the the federal budget. And when you begin to get into the efforts uh, to you know the, the so-called search for extraterrestrial intelligence, the SETI programs that 
you know, that's even a fraction of a fraction of the overall space budget, um, most of which is uh, actually not government funded at all anymore um, and is uh, primarily private funded um, because, uh, you know, the federal government has uh, in the U.S., really struggled with that giggle factor. Um, you know, it, it is it is really hard to get federal funding for the search for extraterrestrial intelligence because it is so easy for that to be a punchline about looking for little green men um, when, you know, to me, it is, uh, you know far less money than we spend on a lot more very speculative uh, projects. And, and and by the way, you know, I think one of the things that really stands out when you go through the 80-year history of UFOs uh, is that we have never taken the question of UFOs particularly seriously. You know, you look at the U.S. military's efforts to understand UFOs and, like, like a generally like a two-person office like sometimes like a five-person office um you know you talk about the uh you know you 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 almost sh surely in the u.s government at any one time have more military personnel devoted to buying toilets than you do <laughs> searching to understand what ufos actually are that's a great answer. Garrett, I've really enjoyed speaking to you. I'm definitely going to add your book to my, my reading list for sure because it's nice to get a really good, balanced, objective opinion on this. Uh, where can people find out more of your work and where, where can people find your book, most importantly? So the book uh, is, you know, wherever you like to get your books, um, uh, uh, online ebooks, audiobooks, hardcover books in, in your favorite local bookstore or online book retailer. Um, and then my website is garrettgraff.com, uh, and I am Vermont GMG, my initials GMG, uh, on all the various social media platforms. So thanks so much for having me. Thanks for speaking to us. It's been a pleasure.